Um, scripture reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 25 through 32, which is found in your pew Bibles on page 978. Therefore, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, we have something, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The word of God for the people of God. We're looking at this section in Ephesians where Paul is showing us how we now have, we've put off uh, the old nature, we've put off um, the way things used to be, and how we're living into being like Christ, how we're putting on Christ and, and becoming more and more like Him in the way we do things. We looked last week at verse 25 um, about speaking the truth to one another, and this morning we're going to look at 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Um, a few years ago, I took the kids to see a, um, I believe it was a Pixar movie, um, Inside Out, where um, it was, was a cartoon, and it was inside a little girl's head. She had moved to Newtown, and... Uh, there were different characters in her head that were the different emotions. So there was joy, and there was sadness, and there was uh, anger, and there was um, fear. And the way things played out is you would see the girl going through events, and what was happening inside was all the emotions uh, were steering the ship, were in control. And what was kind of taking place was the different emotions were vying for who get to would get to make the choices and, and do things. And I thought this was a fascinating uh, picture of the way a lot of people now view the way we do things, the way we will things, the way we make choices and the way we act. Because what was driving the girl was her emotions. The emotions were in control. In fact, there was one part uh, where one of the characters goes and scrambles through a, um, a chest or a box or something and comes out with a light bulb and says, I have an idea. Um, I, have a, I have a thought. And it amazed me because the, 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 what was being portrayed was we are emotional beings and our reasoning is guided by our emotions. That is, you, you, whatever you want, whatever desire, your emotions are controlling, then you, you can come up with any reason for what you want to do. Now, that's a very different portrayal than has been at other times. I think of uh, one of my heroes, yes, the Vulcan Spock. To make good choices, 
you want to be completely objective and rational and reasonable, you don't want emotions to get in your way. And so for, for a lot of stories, the idea is that we are rational and reasonable creatures. Reason is what is good, and our emotions distract us, our emotions betray us, our emotions uh, lead off. And so I can think of so many um, kind of uh, movies where the fighter had to get rid of their fear or get rid of their anger um, because that leads to the dark side. And you have to just trust, you know, your intuition and your thought and your reason. So you get rid of emotions. You, you don't get distracted by things. Um, fear is uh, the, the mind killer or whatever. Isn't that, you know, different views on things? And yet neither of them show what the biblical view is. So, so let's, we, we see here um, that emotions are not what's in control. Our emotions are not what is to guide us. Um, they're not something alien to us that's like kind of poured in and overwhelms us. That was kind of one idea that our, our, our emotions um, direct us or overwhelm us, uh, but, but neither are they invalidated and said this is not good because what does the Scripture say? Be angry. Or maybe it's when you're angry, but don't sin. So it's recognizing the validity of having an, uh, an emotion of anger. There are times um, we ought to be angry. And, and so I, 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 we, we need to look at this, um, probably whichever direction you tend to lean to, whether emotions control or whether reason controls and we get rid of emotions, we need to hear that there is, there is a sense of we, ha- we need to have proper emotions. Um, it, it is good to rejoice in the Lord, to have joy in the Lord. We're commanded to do that. Our, our chief end is glorifying and enjoying. So that is part of who we are. We are to love, and that is to have a, um, not only just a, a will and um, a direction, but also an emotion. But here, um, it, it validates there are times that anger is appropriate. When we see someone sinfully hurt a vulnerable person, Anger is an appropriate response. When decisions are made that lead to others' harm and we see someone else's greed or their selfishness um, lead to hurting others, harming others, and, and boosting themselves and doing things in a way that is not just and not right, it is appropriate for us to be angry. And yet... It doesn't say anger is always good, just be angry, let your, let your wrath take control. It tells us, be angry, but don't sin. So we are to have those emotions, have that emotion, but be in control of it, to take control of things. And we can guide the way we think about things, the way we feel about things. Um, You've probably experienced that you, you've had times that you're kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm getting angry about this. I need to back off. I need to go, you know, listen to some, some good music, relax, chill away, get away, get away from these people. You know, I need to do something to kind of control emotion. Or you can stir yourself up and, well, let me, let me look at some more Twitter feeds of, and Facebook things of how people are stupid and get angry and angry. I know I can go somewhere where I'm going to get mad and... Um, 
um, I can call a friend. You know, there's some people I know I can call, and they can help me get stirred up further. And there's others I can call that will lower my blood pressure and give me. Y'all, I just got to admit, this is going to be a very um, autobiographical sermon. <laughs> so, so there are times that anger is right, but it recognizes we need to take control and not use that to let it to build sin. So there, there can be a sinful anger. There can be sinful anger. So sometimes people do things against us, and, and the reason we're angry is not because God's righteous justice has been tampered with and someone is sinfully going against God's glory. Sometimes we get angry because they insulted me and they haven't recognized my glory. I'm, I'm not so much concerned about God and sin, but I'm concerned about me and my ego has been hurt. And someone would have a different opinion than me? And, and, and so our anger at times can be very sinful. It's not so much, you know, it's, it's what is the ang- what's causing the anger, what's, what's, what's causing it, what's building it, and is it truly sin and harm against people and rebellion against God, or is it something that is coming against my self-perception and my, um, my own sense of self. There can be um, that stage of recognizing what is causing this anger. Is it um, righteous anger or is it sinful anger? And sinful anger um, does not, uh, needs to be <laughs> quit immediately, needs to be tampered with. Um, so we see that we should not use anger as a, an excuse to sin. You see, our anger and the more it builds in us, can easily lead us, um, even though it can be right anger and good anger and appropriate anger, the emotion can lead us to, um, to, to a sinful attitude and sinful actions. Um, there, there's, there's a sense in which I, I've tried to think through the different things that cause anger and the different things that the way we respond. And, you know, one of the things is... And we're, we're just in a, have been through a period of a culture of outrage where you, you kind of, you know, I, I can just remember waking up and let's look at the, what news is coming in and see what the outrage of the day is because we've already forgotten why everybody was mad last week. But what's the latest thing everybody's going to be mad about? And one of the things I realize is the anger and the outrage is a way of being self-justified. You know, if, if someone is mad because these people didn't put uh, Jesus on a coffee mug, um, but instead put, you know, something else or said, if we're outraged because they, they said season greetings instead of Merry Christmas or whatever the, the thing is, uh, or if we're, we're angry and want to cancel somebody because of something they said 20 years ago, one of the things people can get mad about that is, it's kind of a way of saying, you people are evil and wrong, not like me. I'm a good person, and I would never do such a thing. And one of the ways I can identify with being on the, the right side, on the right side of history, the right side of anything, is I'm not like those bad people, and I can be angry at them for being so evil and so wicked. And it's a way of building up ourselves. 
of they're evil, not like me. And, and a lot of times our anger can be a, a, a strong way of feeling like we're invested with something at no risk whatsoever. Because I'm so angry, I must be passionate. It must be important to me. My anger must show that I'm really a good person because I'm really, really angry. Anger can be a means of being um, self-justifying, of, of I'm, I'm righteous and those people are not. It, it can be a way of, um, of, of feeling power and in control is that I am angry. It should not be an excuse to sin because in our anger, we can have very sinful attitudes. That person is wrong. I'm good. <laughs> I would never do that. I should be mad at them. Or our anger can be a sinful way of not appreciating God. I'm so frustrated at this. Um, these things are happening to me. Why would God let this happen to me? God shouldn't let things happen to me. And suddenly I'm no longer trusting in God's goodness. I'm frustrated with the situation that God has put me in. And it's a sinful attitude. Or in our anger is when we are most likely to say things that we wish we had never said. There, there, there are things I've said in my anger that I still haunt me that I wish I had never done. And maybe you've experienced that in your anger of hurting others or your anger of, of making a decision because you're not thinking clearly, you're seeing red, and uh, it can be very easy to, to make bad decisions. So we, we have the anger, but we don't build on it. We don't let it um, drive us to sin. So sometimes that means we need to back off until we're not feeling emotion so strongly to do something. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. We should actively be trying to reduce our anger. If we're angry about something, rather than fester it, rather than build it, rather than get with the person you know is going to make you feel more anger, instead of seething on it, it needs to be something that you are actively trying to reduce. Now, Sometimes that means you need to go confront somebody and talk to them so that you can work out whatever's causing the anger. I, I don't think we're given a, a timeline of, of this has to be done, you know, literally when the sun goes down. There, there's some times of we need to calm down, we need space, and let's get back together. But what it means is you don't let it go on and on and on. So it might mean, okay, heads are a little clear, let's have a conversation about this, and you need to go to somebody and work things out. But it certainly means we're actively trying to reduce it. We're not trying to, to build it and grow stronger with that anger and all the things that we could do to that person. Um, give no opportunity to the devil. So we're restraining ourselves from sin, but also realizing that when we're angry, especially when we're angry with a brother or sister, Satan has an opportunity to cause disruption in relationships. I mean, why is it when we're angry, we suddenly start remembering things we thought we had forgiven someone else? And all these things they've done to us start coming up. Man, I can start a list real quick, and I'm mad at somebody. Because the devil gives us an opportunity to think of those ways we've been harmed. And isn't it just like, like everybody else doing this thing, and, and you just your imagination can go wild, and things can, you can be touchier. You know, so that, that any kind of thing said can be taken the wrong way. Any kind of look can be taken the wrong way. 
that anything can be used to stir up strife rather than working towards reconciliation and peace and calm. So these are the things he's telling us. We, we recognize that there is anger, that we do get angry, yet that should not be an excuse for sin. It should be something we actively try to um, reduce and not build up, not let the sun go down in our anger. And it should be something that we um, do not allow Satan to use for his own purpose of, of causing division or lead us into further sin. And so I want to give us uh, three suggestions for dealing with anger. And um, I'll, there are some Sundays I'm up and I feel like I'm pointing fingers And I will confess this Sunday I am uh, speaking very much out of my own experience and my own evil heart in learning how to deal with things. So finger is definitely pointed at the pulpit this morning. I've learned that anger, especially um, anger that is greater than Um, the event deserves is a wonderful barometer to find where your idols are. In other words, there are many times we get angry about something that deserves our anger. It's when we're angrier than that situation deserves and we have more emotion than that situation deserves. There was a word for that I thought of earlier that I can't remember, but when we can ask ourselves, why am I so mad about this? It might be that I'm mad because someone sinned. Someone legitimately did something wrong. But if I ask myself, why am I so angry about this? Why am I so worried about it? It reveals to me the idol of my heart. Because when you are very angry, it's oftentimes that something that you love maybe more than God, is under threat. Something is at risk, and you get defensive, and you're worried, and you're scared, and it leads to anger. And so a lot of times, anger can show us, what am I loving more than God? So if, if, if someone, um, we might have a session meeting afterwards, we'll see. <laughs> but let me, let me say, you know, someone criticizes the pastor. Don't dare criticize the man of God. Well, it can, it can, you know, rightfully it can be something. This is not right. Let me, let me. I, I might get mad about it because there's some mean people. But oftentimes the anger far outweighs the criticism. And, and what do I do when I look at my heart? Is it that they are an unrighteous sinner that God has put me with these people? And I have, or is it, Scott, you want everyone to see the glory of your amazing pastorate. And what's at risk is somebody might not think you're as great as your mother does. <laughs> someone might not, you know, it, it might be that someone might see that you're human. In other words, the idol of career success can be a, a means for being angrier and taking something much more personal than it needs to be. And maybe in your own life, Some sort of criticism gets way beyond what, I mean, it might be wrong, it might be a lie, but or or someone doing something might be something that's challenging what you value. Maybe it's money, and so that leads you off into anger way beyond what an event 
or you know, maybe, maybe some sort of loss. Maybe it's I mean, what, a relationship and someone's told a lie about you and to have a certain level of popularity or having something, something is leading that. And so always a good question is to say, what is this telling me about my heart that I'm loving more than God? All right. Number two, what does this tell me about my trust in God's providence? Sometimes anger is frustration with things not going our way. And sometimes it's sinful, and I'm responding to something to my son. Sometimes anger is, we can't make this happen. I can't do this. Something I'm wanting to happen isn't happening, and I'm really mad about it. If we trust in God's providence, if we trust that God is in control sovereignly over our lives and that nothing comes to us apart from his hand, we have to ask, do I truly trust God? I mean, frustration, yeah, I mean, there's some things to be frustrated about, but, but can it also be that I'm not getting what I want, I'm mad, but maybe if I trust in God, my anger is calmed down a bit, I'm a little bit more at peace. If there is anger at the way things are happening, look at the cross. He who did not spare his own son, will he not give us all things? If things are going difficult in your life, do you not say that one who did not spare his own son is not going to bring something into your life that is not ultimately for your good? And that doesn't mean we, there's not things to be angry, there's not frustrations, but at the same time, to, to let little things build and to realize that we're not in control, we don't always get our way, is to recognize that maybe we should trust God. To look at the cross is also a time for me to say, well, Jesus dealt with this, and so much more. If I'm, if I'm angry with something, if I'm frustrated with something, I'm following one who did not respond with anger, who, who responded with love and grace. And so we we see also not only the abstract kind of notion of God providing for us and his love for us shown concretely on the cross, but also an example of how to respond to those who betray you and lie about you and hurt you. It's not to say they didn't really do those things, and it's not to say there aren't sin, but it is to say the way he responded was not letting anger lead to sin. And finally, we continue to look at the cross, not only in the love shown to us and the grace shown to us as an assurance that whatever we deal with is not God restraining something good from us, but we also look to the cross to see God's wrath. This might sound counterintuitive, but I want to suggest that understanding we serve a wrathful God is a way to keep our anger in restraint. You serve a God who will not let any wrong go unpunished. There is not one sin that will not be paid for. God is a wrathful God, and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God judges. God judges with perfect justice. And the Bible talks about his wrath poured out against sin, about against harm, against injustice. Now, you might be thinking, hang on, isn't thinking of a wrathful God mean we're going to imitate that and be a wrathful God? You try to be a wrathful? If God's mad at something, can't we be angry at something? 
Miroslav Volf is a Croatian theologian, and he's written a book in response to um, uh, the, the wars in the breakup of the former Yugoslavia, the horrible war, wars between Serbs and Croatians. And, and he said this attitude of a, a God who's never angry and God who's never wrathful is a very comfortable doctrine for suburban, suburban America where everything is really secure. He said, when you've gone through the horrors of what these people have gone through, who've watched family members tortured by others and watched the devastation of war, he said, what I saw was those who understood God will hold sin to justice, that he, his wrath will be poured out on those who have done wrong, they were easier, they were much more able to forgive much more able to not seek revenge on their own because they trusted God is going to judge rightly. He said it's only those who, who didn't believe in a God. They said that's the only justice there's going to be is if I get justice, if I get revenge on somebody in this life because there's no God to take care of it in the afterlife. Do you see, if you believe there is a God who judges, you can get angry, but you can leave that judgment to him. If you don't believe that there's a God who is wrathful and who will judge real sin, you will want to get it yourself, and you'll want to use any means you can to get it yourself. So if we look at a wrathful God, if you're angry with someone, if you're angry with someone really because of true sin, someone they have really done wrong again, here's, here's your two options. One, if they're not in Christ, God will condemn them. And that sin is part of their condemnation, and it will be paid for. You don't have to extract revenge. And if they are in Christ, if you're angry with a brother or sister, and, and, and they have sinned against you and done wrong, and you're angry, that sin has been taken to the cross. Jesus Christ has suffered for that wrong that they have done, and he has shed his blood for that sin that was committed against you. How can you hold that anger against someone who has already been, who will, that sin will be paid for? And if it was paid for on the cross, Christ has done it. Can you, can you hold it against him? So we look to God's wrath. We look to God's love. And we trust that he is good, but he's also just. And therefore, we can assuage our anger in knowing his good, the good of a loving yet just God. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen.